I couldn't leave because you you know the amount of times that I had to justify myself the amount of times that I was trying to please him what in doing that I was left I was a, an empty shell I didn't feel like I, I had no self-worth I couldn't live without him he made me feel like I was nothing he made me feel like I can't live without him Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everyone. You are listening to Don't Be Afraid to Talk podcast with James. If you are listening for the first time, you are welcome. Talking and listening is key for growth and I hope our stories will bring us together and we can draw inspiration from each other. Conversation will include topics such as mental and physical health, trauma and its effect, suicidal thoughts, recovery and well-being. We will continue to raise awareness and offer a different perspective a mindset or an idea that could inspire you to take charge of your well-being and to grow as a human being. Thank you for joining us today. Today I'm joined by Rowan and she's come on to share her story of trauma addiction and recovery i hope you enjoyed today's conversation and we hope you can learn something that you can take away from this good evening how are you hello james i feel i feel okay i'm a little bit nervous and i'm feeling a little bit vulnerable but um yeah i'm looking forward to it <laughs> I, I feel the same so it's okay we it's got okay. this <laughs> can you just um tell our listeners a little bit about yourself Oh, a little bit about myself. Well, I know that I will be sharing my experiences around misunderstanding love, you know, what that feels like, what it looks like, um, being love. Um, And then the journey of becoming love and knowing what that is. Uh, within rather than outside validation or seeking something Um, so yeah that's what I'm going to share today that's great thank you very much (laughs) no it's absolutely fine and um okay okay before we get going we're just going to play short one for one game Mm -hmm. I'll give you a word and you say the first one that comes to your mind okay Ready? This is the hardest question I'll ask you today. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, first one is revelation. Freedom. Empowerment. Love. Children. Love. Dreams. Clarity. Butterfly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, rebirth. Brilliant. Yeah, simple. Yeah. Simple. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my hard questions done. So, and how about some questions for you? <laughs> <laughs> Depends really on the question. <laughs> Same game, but the other way around. Do you want to try? Do you have five? Do you have five words? Okay. okay. Yeah. Five words. Okay. People. Community. Faith. It's all we need. 
like that. <laughs> Love. Natural. Parents. Education. Friends. Everything. Oh. I like Simple. it. <laughs> oh my god, oh so <laughs> Oh no, no, I feel like no, it's not great. <laughs> Bit of uh, reverse roles there. It's it's not great, but yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. The, there's less there's less pressure on me now because I don't need to talk that much. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how much I talk. You might have to talk a lot. You never know. Uh, I'll get words out of you, I think. I you think. will. You will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go. So how was growing up for you? Hmm. Growing up. Yeah, that... that um... I remember fun times. I remember good times. I remember being very connected with nature and um, enjoying the freedom that I had. Um, and then through changes, I um, I had to um, be around people that didn't know what a healthy love is um was that at home or was that outside both it was both yeah yeah um i was quite young i was only five and that was when things started happening when um i thought that i felt love for a person and it was the first experience that I thought was love. Um, and this was, this was a family member. This was, um, you know, a man. And it was very confusion, confusing. It was, um, you know, sexual abuse. Um, mm. But at the time, I didn't think it was wrong. Yeah, you, you didn't I, know. No, I didn't know. I was so I was so young. Um, I actually thought it was love. Mm. And mm. how was your relationship with your your mother? Um, both of my parents were present at times, but also was suffering from trauma. So. Um, couldn't and didn't have a capacity to show me what real love was comfort um support so um Mm. yeah it was difficult being shown this unhealthy love and thinking it was love and also your caregivers there not guiding you um showing you what love is so Mm. it was blinking confusing it was so confusing um yeah and did you ever share with them what what was happening or um you didn't think there was much to share it started when i was five and it went on for a very long time i believed i was in love with this man i knew because he told me not to say anything but i didn't i didn't want to hurt his feelings i didn't want him to get into trouble um so no I didn't tell my parents and quite frankly they didn't uh, they they couldn't um they wouldn't have been able to support me in that Mm. and around what age did you realize like this is not normal 
wow, there's a few layers to that. <laughs> because so, <laughs> after so many years of um, thinking that it was right, um, and in you know, a part of me wanting it to happen, um, I realised maybe at eleven, you know, ten, eleven, this isn't this isn't right. And I think I was about eleven mm. when it stopped. But a huge part of me couldn't face it and didn't feel that it wasn't my fault. It was the shame. Um, so that was quite late on, actually. Yeah. Mm. Was it a shame that you felt that made you think that it was your fault? Um, yeah, huge amount of shame. You know, it was me. It was me that was walking in that room sometimes. It was, you know... It was me that was asking it to ha for, for it to happen sometimes because I was so confused. I thought this was love. I thought this person loved me. Um, so, yeah, to to grow up and think, oh, my goodness, something was wrong with me. That was me. That was my fault. Um, and that is what held me back um, uh, from mm. being free from that mm, for quite some time. That would have shaped your behavior in school and things like that. Oh, goodness me. I was a very angry child. <laughs> I was very angry. <laughs> I would, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, angry at home and angry at school, just... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everywhere. I would project anger. See, I, 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 I had no fear of, of, of death and I had no fear of anyone reacting, Um I think I actually wanted them to. It was a way of self-sabotage and self-harm, you know, kind of um, daring people and pushing and goading people to um, fight back. Um, mm. Yeah. It, was that more of a, a frustration or was there a need for something else? Like, were you angry just because you're frustrated <sighs> with everything? I think it was a lack of understanding. I was so confused, you know, when you grow up, it's not just the, you know, you care givers not have the capacity to love. It's everything that goes with that. Why do they not have the capacity to love? What else is being neglected in my development and growing up, you know, from the age of five being abused by a family member and then having um, no support around that and not knowing what love was? I just seeked, I just wanted to be loved. And I, I couldn't feel love. Um, or give, or give love, you know. Yeah. That was painful, so painful. And did you obviously say mention that you're a very angry child? Did you? Um, mm. We always just looking for trouble. I'm guessing as a teen. Um, I didn't know that I was looking for trouble, but when I look back now, I was, you know, at the really young age of when I actually had to go to school, I was fighting boys a lot older than me. I was, um, yeah, yeah, I was looking for trouble. I was not really naughty at school. Um, mm. I don't know if it was looking for trouble or, or seeking attention. You know, at that point, I think the attention, any attention, that's someone looking at me, that's someone... Um, noticing me, and I think, oh, yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah. And when did you um, discover alcohol? Alcohol was quite um, later on in my life. 
Uh, I'd grew, I grew up with an alcoholic parent. Well, two alcoholic parents. Um, and I was always quite scared of alcohol because of the way that people are quite volatile. And um, so drugs were my thing. I mm. My first experience of taking drugs was with a parent. Um, and then that was really uncool to do that. So I went on. Like they, they invited you in to take drugs with them? With one of them, yeah. 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 Uh, and then I moved on from doing that with a parent and um, got into um, gangs. I was about 13 um, and I started taking higher class drugs. I remember I remember my friends. I went to school. <clears throat> my friends were at the vendor machine buying a chocolate bar. And then mm. there's there's little Rowan trying to show off, thinking I'm really cool because I have these acid tabs. And I said to my friends, look what I've got. And they look quite concerned at this point. But I'm once again seeking attention. Um, and I take this acid tab. Yeah. And I said, oh, I said, yeah, I'm going to take another one. Um, it ended up me overdosing and I was rushed to hospital from school, uh, waking up in the hospital my parents next to me and that was the first overdose um but yeah you know two two years two years later I was five stone and I'd overdosed on heroin and was in hospital for a long time with pneumonia so at the age of 15 I'd you know I'd overdosed again and yeah it was it was horrendous after your first experience, as soon as you came out of the hospital, mm. did you straight away go back looking for more drugs? Oh, for sure. Or did you have a... Yeah. Okay. So even after that experience, you just, you wanted more? Yeah. What, do you know what? Taking that drug, taking the acetab that first time, it gave me this false love. I felt this false love, this 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 courage that I'd never felt before. Um. I'd suppressed so many feelings and emotions. And then I took this drug. I was like, whoa, who am I? And I liked that. Um, You were chasing the feeling. Chasing the feeling, yeah. And it also gave me this false love that I hadn't experienced before. Um, I saw love in absolutely everyone before I overdosed. It was what I thought back then was a jolly good time, but it obviously wasn't. And how did you um, how do you end up with heroin? Um, I substituted. So basically, I went from the acid tabs to ecstasy. I started doing it every day. I was in gangs. Um, you know, every day was dangerous at that point because when you're keeping up a drug habit, um, you've got to pay for it. And obviously, at that age, 13, 14, 15, you haven't got the money to pay for it. So um, mm. gradually substituting one drug for another, getting to a place of extreme pain physical pain and 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 switching it up to something else um and also you get immune i've I've got immune to drugs very quickly because of the amount that i was taking um so it would always go on to the harder stuff Mm. because i needed it to be more power you know yeah and anyone at home ever notice what you're doing of course they did they knew yeah they knew and did anyone try to look say like this is not a good road to go on 
No, James, I was using with my parent. Okay, okay. So, obviously, when you're using at home, that can only escalate. Like, that can only get yeah. worse and worse. Well, it just gives you the, the, the green light, doesn't it? And, and that's what it did for me. I thought, well, it's okay, I don't need to hide. They didn't know about the heroin. They, they only knew about, you know, so, um, ecstasy or cocaine or something like that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it gave me the green light. I don't need to hide away and um, I can go out and do this, you know, this gang stuff and um, take drugs and I can also go home and take drugs. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At what point did, did you realise this is not good? Uh-huh. I... Like, after how many years did it take you to realise? Well, I'll be quite honest, even the first overdose when I was, well, I must have been 12, 13, I knew it wasn't good, but I ignored it. When I went down to five stone, I had, you know, severe pneumonia and mm. I was in hospital for quite some time after the overdose. I knew that wasn't good, but I didn't think about stopping drugs. All I thought about was substituting to another drug that won't be so harmful. But obviously that's not the truth because I was taking it to obliterate myself. I was taking it to get to that place of complete mm. self-sabotage. Why was I doing that? Because I was avoiding. Avoiding. You know. Yeah. I was avoiding the pain within. Mm. And so, so, obviously, when you're taking drugs at home, you have the green light to do what you want, and you're going outside, continue doing it. So, at what age did you, I don't know, did you hit rock bottom? At what age did you realise that? <laughs> Oh, James, I hit that blue yeah, wall just quite a going. few times and I still got back <laughs> up. <laughs> I threw my fruit. So, okay, so I was 12, uh, 9, 17 years. 17 years I was using for I overdosed numerous times. I mean, numerous times. Um, so, yeah, I hit that wall mm. quite a few times and I got back up. And like I said, what I do is I physically could not stop the drugs. Um, I had times that I substituted the drugs for other things. So that might be sex, that might be food, that might be money, that might be um, exercise, that might be, um, you know, men. It wasn't so much men back when I was, you know, the teenage years, but I tried everything in my power to stop from 18 upwards it was not fun anymore it was the physical um the withdrawals the flashbacks the nightmares the it was yeah yeah it was horrendous so i felt very trapped because Mm. there wasn't party drugs anymore it didn't feel like a party anymore (laughs) it wasn't fun it was it was, okay, you take these drugs, otherwise you're going to have these nightmares, you're going to have these flashbacks, things are going to come back to you, you're going to have these intrusive thoughts, and you're going to feel awful. Um, so I kept going, kept going, kept going. Um, and it got worse and worse. You know, the flashbacks get worse when I was coming down, and, and the nightmares were worse. So mm. it was a very vicious cycle that I was in, and I felt very trapped. And... Did you meet your partner through this lifestyle, through the, through the drugs? I did indeed. I did indeed. Um, 
And obviously I've shared previously of not understanding love, unconditional mm. love, you know, with the child abuse and the um, parents and then having this false love of the drugs. Um, so when I met this gentleman, this this perfect man, I was absolutely blown away by it or rather sucked in um, by mm. his love bombing. So, yeah, it was through drugs. It was, yeah, he was a dealer. Um and at the start, did you think, did you think like he's going to give you that need that you're looking for? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that belonging. Oh, absolutely. Um, what sort of lingo did he come out with? So yeah, straight away, you know, you're the most, it was love bombing. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. You're too good for me. I love you very, very soon into the um, friendship, whatever it was at the start. Um yeah, oh, just, just, just every, you know, everything. I was perfect, and I was completely blown away by it. Um, mm. I thought, oh my goodness, is this love? And I thought it was love. I really did think it was love, and um, I was so vulnerable when I met him. I was so yeah. broken. I didn't know what love was, and he really did use that. So he took advantage of being a dealer he had what you're looking for yeah and did you end up on that route as well of dealing or was it just oh me oh gosh yeah from a very young age just because um i was fearless and i needed lots of drugs i needed lots of drugs my drug habit was hundreds and hundreds of pounds a day so yeah yeah i needed to mm. and throughout the relationship with him i'm guessing you thought this was the perfect guy for you and oh goodness yeah, yeah. and um how long was the relationship was it a good wow he's still part of my life now um yeah i met him when i was just turned 20 um and i hadn't disclosed the abuse mm. um either to anyone I'd kept that in. Oh gosh, no, I'd kept that in. Um, yeah, you know, okay. Yeah, that was a very dark secret for 15, more than fifteen years. Um, so I was still very. I, it's broken. It's broken. So we met when I was twenty, and like I said, he love bombed me. I, I thought he adored me. I thought I was the love of his life. He would tell me this. Um, and he just completely sucked me in. And mm. the closer that I believed and trusted in what he was saying, the closer he was drawing me in, in terms of space as well. He moved into my house pretty much straight away and um, had this control over me that I didn't see. I see it now. But looking mm. back, I whoa, <laughs> wow. Um, and I was in this bubble. I was like, oh, I'm in love. I'm in love. But it wasn't. He absolutely, you know, manipulated me um, and used me in so mm. in so many ways. Um, and it wasn't too far mm. into the relationship that it started to change. And there was parts of him that would say, mm, do you think you should wear that? Do you think you should wear that out? Um, okay, so his behavior changed after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he became more judgmental. 
it was very insidious at the start. Um, I didn't even notice it because it would just be a little, oh, I don't know if I like what you're wearing today, or I don't think you should do that, or I don't like that about your friend. And I, I trusted him. I loved him. I believed in mm. him. And I thought we were one, which was so not right. Um, so not mm. true. Um, and they were the first, they were the steps of him really isolating me from people, from the truth, from reality. Yeah. Um, so did he, like, isolated you from everyone else around your life? So it just became, like, you and him? Over time, yeah. I think you became more dependent on him. Oh gosh, yeah, there was a huge trauma bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he would start to gaslight me, so tell me that I, I had just, just, you'd say, you've just texted that person or you've just spoke to that person. No, I didn't. I didn't. He said, yes, you did. Or you've just gone down to the shop and I go, sure I didn't do that but then after after a while of this going in every day um a lot and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger mm. and I started really believing him um it the gaslighting actually took me to a place of insanity because the more I tried to justify myself, the more power I gave him, the more power he had, the more he wanted to take from me. Like, whoa, I didn't see yeah. it back then, but I can see it now. Um, Suppose when you're in that bubble, if you like, and you don't know any better, you, you would know what's like, you kind of, like you became dependent on him and he's slowly he was chipping away at you. Yeah, I just wanted him to love me the way he mm. made out at the start. Told you. I just didn't understand why I'm doing everything wrong. You know, I didn't understand why I'm the one walking on eggshells trying to please a person and never pleasing this person. Um, and in doing so, like I said, losing all sense of self. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Over time, obviously, his behavior got worse. Started telling you things you did that you didn't do. <laughs> but believing it, believing that's true. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, like I said, the gaslighting was, was, you know, telling me that I'm, I'm doing things and then I'm not. And then I'll share with you an experience, um, that I was downstairs smoking a, a cigarette and he started to um, hit my head against the door really quite vigorously, quite, you know, um, it was serious. And a person came down into this room and he stopped. And I, I turned around to this person. I said, did you just see what happened? Did you see what he did? And the, 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 um, the abuser dropped to his knees, started crying, saying, I cannot believe, Rowan, that you would say that. I love you. You are, you, you know, you're the love of my life. I would never do that. 
I looked at the person and had to convince my own family member that he had just been so violent to me and then he's on the floor crying. I, I was nearly convinced. I nearly thought, did that actually happen? And that is how in, insidious and that is how I felt like I was, I was going insane. Really was. Yeah, sorry. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. It, it sounds like something that you, you see on TV. Well, for me anyway, it sounds like something that I see on TV and be like, that hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, b- because you're kind of you're in that environment that you felt trapped in, did you ever consider mm. leaving or was it a case of, I can't leave him because this is the only person that I have? I couldn't leave because, you you know, the amount of times that I had to justify myself, the amount of times that I was trying to please him, what, in doing that, I was left, I was a, an empty shell. I didn't feel like I, I had no self-worth. I couldn't live without him. He made me feel like I was nothing. He made me feel like I can't live without him. And after he would do these things and completely forget... Um, and say no, I didn't do that. After so he he never no owned up to like any of his behaviour or no he's no no never no he would he would deny it yeah and okay so even like what you mentioned earlier on even when he does something that's mainly like his fault he'll deny it and make it out like it's your fault. He would try to convince me that he didn't do it and he would cry and tell me how much he loves me and he'd say, surely you know that I would never do that. And there were parts of me that would think, maybe he didn't. And then I'd stop, you know, I'd stop and say, no, row, no, row. come on, look at the bruises. Look at the bruises. Um, remember, that is mm. the truth. Um, so, yeah, leaving him... Um, that was tough because it wasn't just about me. I had two children with this man and I had to protect my children and I was in survival Mm. mode, what felt like forever. Um, I was very hypervigilant. Um, (laughs) in the day it would feel like freedom because I would take my kids all over the UK, all over to, you know, different adventure playgrounds and, um, it would just be amazing. And I'd always go to me and the, me, me and my children, um, whilst he slept off the drugs and the alcohol. And then when I got back, I knew that I would, you know, feed the children, get them to bed. And that would be my night of hell. It would be hell, you know. Um, I knew that I couldn't leave because the children were there. Um, and he'd convinced me that I was a shit mum and I could never look after them on my own. And I was pretty much convinced at that point. So no, I couldn't leave him for... We were together eight years. Yeah. And did he use the children against you a lot of the time? Yeah, there was a lot of... Yeah, there'd be, uh, you know, parental alienation. He would try to um, turn me again, turn them against me within them. He would, he would try to, 
Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was awful. He would manipulate the children in thinking things about me that were not true and um, scare mm. them. You know, fill them with fear about me. Um, so many different things. You know, weaponizing um, in so many different ways. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever see? Um, sorry, this is off the top. Do you ever see like different types of narcissist people? Nice narcissist categories. I have met many people growing up that have narcissistic traits. Are they? Are they different people? Yeah, of course they're different people. Are they triggering? Yeah, they're triggering because the people that have these narcissistic mm. traits that I've met in this in this life have been quite violent. Um, coercive, manipulative. So, different people, same actions. Mm, mm. It, it must be hell to be in that kind of relationship, especially if this, especially if there's children involved. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. Um, like, did you trust him with the children? Even? Oh gosh, no, no, I didn't. No. No. So you must have been on flight more like every day yeah i was hypervigilant i was um right at the end of the relationship for two years i um you know all of my children's life i protected them i did everything i could to protect them um but yes uh, it got horrendous by the end of the relationship in terms of what he was doing and um yeah yeah i was suffering with yeah. complex post-traumatic stress the symptoms of pt uh, cptsd were intense mm. yeah and what happened that made you realize that i have to get out of this place the sequence of events actually um my children were put in especially my daughter was put in a really really awful situation that I just couldn't I I thought she was dying um, because of something that he did and then he took it too far I I had a huge 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 black eye and um, I couldn't do it anymore I could not he would keep me up all night so I'd go out with the kids in the day and then he would keep me up all night um, on purpose you know, to, so I'd be absolutely exhausted and vulnerable and weak. Um, and mm-hmm. I got to this point where I thought I must tell someone um, about what he's doing because everyone thinks that he's, okay. you know, he looked like the most, the nicest guy out there, you know. He's put on this front and everyone's like, oh my goodness, you, you know, you're mm. so lucky to have him. I go, yeah. Mm. <laughs> not really but um yeah yeah that, that that's a, <laughs> that, that's a perfect uh behavior for oh my gosh an artist you know you know the world would think one thing but behind closed doors well exactly that he would purposely go out and do things for people to look like you know to look like the mr nice guy and the gentleman and the decent person and um 
he's very worried about what people think of him. Um, yeah, very different behind closed doors. Um, mm. It was the point when, like I say, it got too much. It got too much, and yeah, I couldn't. I just couldn't live any more like this. I couldn't protect the children live like this anymore um and yeah i i felt a little bit of freedom um when he when we didn't live together mm. and was that but it was that yeah. you telling him to move out that must have been difficult if that's what happened yeah i did I did. I used to. I used to try and get him outside of the house so many times, and he would. Oh gosh, yeah, he ended up stalking me and um, doing all sorts of stuff for quite some time after. Um, but thank. Well, not thankfully, because I feel really bad for saying that actually. But he met someone. He was already cheating on me, and that. It's really horrible to say this, but I think his attention went on to another woman and he slowed, he started to stop um, coming to the house at four or five in the morning and, um, you know, trying to search the house and things mm. like that. And when you say stalking you, was it just like following you everywhere, being outside your house randomly, that kind of things? Yeah, I would try to keep the the keys in the inside of the door because he would he would get in he would get into the house somehow at three in the morning off on drugs, searching the house for men, searching cupboards for men, and he'd come Jesus. up and search under the mattresses for a man. Um, and, and I'd wake up at three in the morning to this to hit to him like this, um, about two inches away from my face, looking into my eyes. I'd wake up and go. <gasps> It was, it was, it was terrorising. It was, it was awful. It lasted for quite some time as well. Um, and that, if I'm honest, that played a huge part in me having a catastrophic breakdown. I couldn't cope anymore. I just couldn't. He might have been out of the house, but he wasn't out of my mind. He wasn't. Mm. It was insidious. And do you think, do you ever feel like when you wanted to leave him that if you do leave him, it's going to change? He had, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got back together quite a few times. Um, and I thought, oh no, okay, okay. Yeah, no, he's really changing this time. He hadn't changed. Mm. You know, it was like a blink, blink. Oh, he's back to normal. Um, and it was, I must admit, it was all those times when he did come back that shown me that he's not going to change. Um, okay. Yeah, it was less. So, so during the breakup, he became a nicer man until. Yeah, he went back to his charming self. Um, that's a, that apparent uh, charming self. Um, but then, you know, an actor can only act for a certain mm. amount of time. Um, and that act didn't last very and long. And then you're back to. So. Yeah, and did you? Sorry, you're going to say something there. I do. Do you know what? I actually think that I was probably moving forward in terms of 
acknowledging that he's not going to change. So every time he did come mm. back, he taught me, Rowan, you've fallen into this trap of believing that he's going to change, but he's not going to change and you've just learned this lesson. And that was what taught me, do not have him back. He's not going to change. Mm. But I say a part of you still, was there a part of you that hoping that he will change? Yeah. After so many years together? Yeah, also the manipulation um, that he he had manipulated, especially my son. Um, and my son didn't want me. <laughs> it was really, really hard because oh, he had left and he was screaming for daddy. He, he just wants daddy because of the shit that he was feeding the kids in terms of, you know, mm. what they started to believe. Not my daughter, but especially my son. It took me three months of, of you know... Oh gosh, so so much, so many um, bedtime stories and so many cuddles and so so many um, <laughs> deep, meaningful conversations with this little boy that I loved and adored, but he hated me. He hated me because of what his dad had fed him. So yeah, it took some time, um, but yeah, he, he he came around to seeing and feeling the truth. Mm, yeah, that's good. And y- you mentioned that he. Did you lead you to a breakdown? Do you have a breakdown moment? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't cope. Their father had, you know, cheated and moved on with this person that was now using, he was now using this person as a new Mm. mum for my kids and wanted to turn the children against me. And if I go back to this understanding love... Well, I thought I thought the children's dad, I thought that was love. And now I've just learned that's not love. I've learned all of these different and healthy loves. Mm. And then my children, I felt like they didn't love me. I thought, oh, my goodness, what, what, what is going on? Um, yeah, and I, I had a, a catastrophic breakdown. It was huge. Mm. And where did you end up? Where did I end up? I ended up in a a, a very dangerous situation. Um, I ended up uh, in a situation where it was very violent. Um, and without going into it too much, I was actually taken to a place of um, my body was giving up. Was I was I was actually through the injuries through the the physical trauma, um, my body was was giving up. So a person took me to Mm. a um, a nature reserve to pass away, to to die. Um, And I remember passing out and I've just collapsed. And I found my heart slowly, slowly stopping and felt this calm Mm. and this peace. It was serene. I mean, it was so light and, you know, the pain left my body. um, And I just felt like, wow, gosh, this is this is a place of love. I'd never felt this before. And I felt myself lift. And what Mm. I know now was my soul was lifting from you know, my body, and um, I went up into this light, 
Um, I don't know how long my heart stopped. I wasn't on drugs or anything like that. It was due to the violence and the loss. Um, and, mm. yeah, like I said, I remember being up and in this space, in this light, light, beautiful space, and then hearing this huge voice, this huge voice say to me, now it's your time. Now it's your time. Right, okay. Um, I feel myself come back in, come back down, really slowly come back down, and come back into my body, and I felt the earth underneath me. I felt my heart start beating again. I opened my eyes, and there were hundreds, I mean hundreds of blue butterflies flying all around me, and I thought, oh my goodness, I have never seen life this bright. <laughs> I had <laughs> never seen colour so bright. <laughs> and feelings and ties touching my arm and my and my body and my voice was different. I oh my god, I'm, I'm breathing. I've been given another chance. What just happened? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did anyone else see the butterflies? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. But you for you it was just more vibrant everything. It, it oh my gosh, it was rebirth. It was I was I shouldn't have got I shouldn't have survived that. If it if, if there wasn't if I wasn't saved that day and given another chance of life, yeah, I I would have died from the injuries most definitely. Yeah. And how was um when you got back to yourself, how was that for the first couple of days? Was things looking clearer? Probably not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I must admit. So, um, no, two days after my children were taken from my care, so social services took my children um, because of my breakdown, because mm. of what happened. Um, so, yeah, I was then left, just survived death. My children have been taken from me. The only, only feeling of unconditional love had been taken. My beautiful children. I was then made homeless and um, left with myself, James. And I think it was at that very point where I thought, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. This, wow. There's no more yeah. me rock bottom than at that point. I had nothing. I had nothing. That was like the lowest of the low. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe I wasn't even allowed to talk to my children. You know, I loved them. I adored them. I'd done everything in my power and the powers above to protect them and keep them safe. Mm. And then because I'd had a catastrophic breakdown and survived death, they were taken from me. And... At the point, at that time, I didn't really understand why. Now, today, I do understand why. Yeah, and that's great. And uh, when did things start changing for you? When I understood why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when you... It was the point of, okay, what do I do? How? Yeah, what's... I don't, I've, I'm left with myself. And there is no way 
that I am not getting my children back. There is no way that I'm giving up and there is no way that I'm going to ignore that voice saying to me, it is now your time. (laughs) So I thought, okay, I want my children back in my life. I love them. I adore them. But I also know that I need to heal and I need to understand Mm. what love is and feels like within me. So that's when the journey began. And that was uh, July 2018. So that was three years ago, just over three years ago. Yeah. And did you, I'm guessing you had to change everything in your life. Yeah. Or most things in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, the biggest thing for me was I had to set boundaries. Mm. And... I remember I went into, soon, soon, very soon after my children were taken from me, I went, right, okay, I know what this is about. I need to heal the trauma. I need to heal all the traumas. Um, And there was something that my counsellor said to me about boundaries. And I said, I responded and went, are you taking the piss out of me? She said, (laughs) (laughs) I went, what is a boundary? Um, <laughs> so <What's that? laughs> exactly because I didn't, I didn't know what boundaries were. There were no boundaries, and I must admit, when I first started setting these boundaries with people that were unhealthy, um, I felt so uncomfortable. It was unknown. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to jump back to that place of a, of, of the known, um, of letting people do what yeah. they want. Um, and then realising, you know, becoming aware that actually setting boundaries and easing yourself into that self-love is really helpful to, one, release the shadows within free up that space so we can have clarity and actually work within mm. without these people yeah taking and and harming mm. um yeah there comes a time when you're trying to do that kind of work that certain people will just have to be maybe not gone but away from you <laughs> oh no keep, i'd yeah completely change or they'll keep I, dragging yeah. They'll keep dragging you back to that energy. Yeah, I did. I did. I set boundaries with, um, I didn't see, you know, many people. I spent a lot of time on my own um, healing. I, mm. I went into, you know, trauma therapy. Every week I would turn up, every single week, and whatever I could do in between, um, yeah, I was doing it. I was willing, you know, if you want to heal, you've really got to want to heal. (laughs) You've got to be willing to put in the work. And, um, yeah, I did that. I was pretty um, courageous in terms of facing the trauma. And um, what were some of the things you had to do? Because I think when when someone says healing, you kind of think, yeah, I'll do that in a few weeks. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The biggest thing for me was avoidance. So obviously, we I've talked about my using drugs, alcohol, substituting things for drugs, sex, 
you know, all that sort of stuff. Why was I doing that? Why was I turning outward? Because I needed to avoid the pain within. What I did gently was tuned into the trauma, you know, open it up a little bit, gently does it, try not to rush the healing, process, come back and regulate. Um, that's what I did for a couple of years before I could do any other healing on top of that mm. because the process was too, like, poor. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, healing, yeah, I, like I said, a beautiful, beautiful counsellor, um, worked through the trauma, and then I did some different things like kinesiology and I retrained as a energy uh, healer or teacher then um, that mm. that really helped me because it's not all about guiding others it's it's a, it's all about self-healing you know it is about self-healing so picking up different techniques and these different um, you know kinesiology and the um, other stuff um, it was it was brilliant and I also I started a counselling course back in 2019 and I recommend it. I really do recommend it for your own self-healing. The the one, two and three, I mean, it really, really deepens your self-awareness. You learn so much um, and it helped me in my own journey of healing. Yeah. Yeah. And during that time when you decided to live again... <laughs> when you decided to live yeah. again yeah did they um, were you still in contact with your parents did they did they try to come back to your life or was that yeah they were still in my life mm, yeah mm. but you have a different outlook now yeah you have a different outlook it's now <laughs> yeah um like i said i was very angry because i was trying to push for something that they wasn't capable mm. of giving. But you understand that now. And I completely understand that people have their stuff going on within and sometimes it doesn't mean that they don't love, it just means that they can't show love. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. And do you think, looking back on it now, like obviously you know a lot more better, with your relationship with your partner, do you think that was the case of two traumatic people coming together and thinking that it's love not to, we're definitely not together now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we're not together now i i don't know i think that i think that the deep insecurities that he has within mm. has caused him to seek power and take power from other people to fill that gap within himself. Mm. And are you still, obviously growing up, you're always looking to be noticed and seen and belong. Do you still, you obviously don't feel like no. that? Anymore, you? No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I think it was, it's been a blinking long journey, I must admit, to even believing that I deserve love um, and recognising it when people do love. Mm. It's, been a, it's been a tough journey, um, accepting love. But 
the more I worked on the trauma, the more I released it, um, the more space I had to receive love and understand it. The more I felt that I deserved to do acts of self-care and self-love, not self-sabotage. There's a journey in all of this. And mm. I believe yeah. that the setting boundaries and doing this, the self-care and the self-love and being able to sit in that, trust it and feel like you deserve it. That is where the journey began because I thought, oh my God, yeah, this feels nice. Yeah. I do deserve it. I stopped justifying myself. Um, and the more you do these acts of self-love and look after yourself, the better you feel. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, I grew in, yeah. Like a ripple effect, like you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you want to feel good, good, good and just keep going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it is a journey. You feel, I felt so blinking uncomfortable of trying to do things that were nice for myself because I didn't feel like I deserved it and I didn't really know and understand why, why you do that. Because um, I had never been guided, <laughs> I'd never been guided into why we should feel our own love. Mm. And how does it feel now, your own love? Amazing. Towards yourself. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it feels do you know what i don't have to try to be someone i'm not i don't have to be ashamed of who i am i can just speak freely and be myself and be happy with that i don't have to change the way i talk or act to please someone else i can just be me and i'm all right with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, that takes a lot of practice <laughs> yeah we we always try to unconsciously try and be who we're not yeah and yeah it's only when you have some self-awareness that you can see yourself doing yeah, it yeah 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 what's one of the things you're proud of the last three years of my life yeah you feel like you've made huge progress to the previous you think if we go back you know to, to, uh july 2018 homeless without my children uh just survived death and nearly being sectioned to how I feel right now, only three years on. I, I'm bloody happy with that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll take it, yeah. <laughs> and then um, what does well-being mean to you? Mm. Mm. Contentment. One word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, contentment. That's great. That's great. And um, you're obviously helping people. Well-being. Well, actually... Do you know what? I bring it back because if I think of well-being, um, everything that I do in terms of my own self-healing, healing, helping my children, helping people, my the, what I do for helping others, it comes from a place of love. So I would say well-being is love. Yeah, that's great. And what sort of stuff are you doing to help people? Oh, goodness. Um, okay, so I've done quite a lot in the last couple of years, um, not only for myself and my own healing, but for others. So, yeah, obviously the um, the counselling course, I've been... Are you counselling others? No. Do you know what? I'm doing this course for my own healing and also... Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as I did go into this year thinking... 
Mm, maybe, but practicing as a counsellor would would l- limit me from speaking from my heart and allowing source to flow through me just because of the code of ethics and boundaries, all that sort of stuff. I do understand why they're in place. I really do. But for me as a healer, it definitely the counselling courses for my own healing. Um, but yeah, I do. So I work mm-hmm. in the drugs and alcohol services in my local town doing... Um, I do like uh, holistic workshops in like women's refuges and rehabs. Uh, I also work in a homeless shelter. Um, but my everyday, um, what I do every day helping people is I'm a energy healer. So I specifically work with trauma that is stored within the cells of the body, within the physical body. Uh, it's a combination between the knowledge throughout my 20s, the anatomy and physiology and, um, you know, psychology and neuroscience, combined with my spiritual gifts that um, being able to tune into energy, see energy and, you know, energy, so emotions, emotion signposted to trauma and being able to tune into that with people, releasing that through the physical body. Hell is absolutely fascinating and it's it's incredible, absolutely incredible. So that is what I do every day and it fills my heart with yeah. absolute love. It really does. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It sounds thank amazing. You. Sounds amazing. Yeah. No, thank you. Actually, I saw you used to do sports. Oh goodness me! I yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. I used to compete in a few different things. Um, I used to. Uh, I was a kickboxer for quite some time. I um, I was a sponsored skateboarder for some time, and um, yeah. yeah 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 yeah. So I qualified in you know I trained in nutrition and um, I was. A, you know, personal trainer and sports massage therapist. This was what I was trying to do to find balance because I was a ferocious drug addict at the same time as being a vegan, raw Olympic lifter. (laughs) And I tried to bring this balance and I must hide that I'm taking all these drugs. And what I do is I'll be a nutritionist and I'll be a personal trainer and I do all these races and compete in many sports mm. it was all about it was an act um i was in a, it, it you know it's a shelf life as well it's only a certain amount that you can act act before you tumble down um mm. but yeah yeah your body for sure yeah your body will catch up oh yeah for sure for sure yeah. i i suffered so many different injuries um and luckily for me i'm able to channel the healing and 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 the energy so i can release that from my body um like i do with 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 others so i am free from physical pain um that's great yeah so yeah that that would have been some balance weightlifting and yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, but i bet at the time you felt you're so smart that you can do it I did, yeah. It was power, yeah. you know. You know, and it's the it's the it's the dopamine as well, isn't it? It's the rush. It's the mm. exercise. It's the drugs. It's the drugs. It's the exercise. Um, power, power, power. I walked around thinking I was absolute, um, oh, great. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> 
inside <laughs> I was a very broken, vulnerable young woman um, that was just seeking attention. Yeah, that's great that you've been able to catch up with that pain inside and yeah. heal yourself and go on to this Yeah, journey. I don't need to seek attention anymore. No, you don't. <laughs> no. No, you don't. So. No. No, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't have any more questions. <laughs> okay, no, that's that's good. I've, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to um, connect with you. And um, thank you for holding the space. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a quick review on my Facebook page, Don't Be Afraid to Talk or DM me on Instagram. The show notes will include all of the relevant links from today's episode. If you haven't already, please download, leave a rating and share with your friends. You might just reach that person who needs to hear this message. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. I am James Lumumba, signing off with gratitude.